Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly, and we're here for the inaugural Casting Angles with Mac Brown. How you doing, Mac? I'm doing great, Marvin. Thanks for sharing the love about fly casting tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And so folks, what we're going to do is this is going to be a lot like our fishing reports, and we're going to have these regular short little pieces to cover casting topics and um, I guess the first casting topic uh, Mac and I've been going back and forth on this um, is are you a pusher or are you a puller what are you Mac probably a puller a little bit more Marvin and and why is that because I think most people are pushers well yeah I think it's taken me a long time to to kind of see the the light of pulling. And I think a lot of it came from, uh, maybe 12 years ago, playing a lot more with a two handed rod. And it started to explain a lot of things in, in fly casting to me where I started to apply those concepts to the single rod more. And, um, that's, that's kind of what got me started with it. Yeah. And so what I would say is what we're really talking about is, you know, most people naturally are pulling on their back cast, but most people, because they use, generally use a thumb on top grip, are pushing as opposed to pulling all the way to the end to, I guess, what casting geeks call rotation when you rotate your wrist, right? Well, I think that's a good place to, to start is basically looking at the at the band, too, with all the technology of videos and things people post, and you can you can actually see it. I think a great deal in the rod itself, you know, when you watch people cast and not necessarily always just from early rotation, but just look at the rod. Is it bending more up at the tip or the middle? And then you put it in the hands of somebody that can really pull it and they fold the rod almost in two. Then you, you see a dramatic difference just on the, on the stills, you know, video when you look at that. Yeah. And it also really helps with, um, evening out power application as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the whole, Telling loop dilemma is totally gone forever. I mean, once somebody truly becomes a puller in their forward cast, I mean, they never have to worry about throwing a tail unless they're asked to do it. Then they, then they can go in there and, and throw it. But the first thing they're going to do is probably change their grip back and do a pushing stroke to demonstrate it, you know? Yeah. So that's the beauty of it. It, it creates basically no tangles ever on the water. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing, too, and you and I have talked about this before, is, you know, there's some things you can kind of do to to tip things in your favor in the sense of you can change your grip. And um, I know, you you know, after spending a lot of time talking to you about it, I changed from a thumb on top to a three-point grip. You want to kind of let folks know, you know, why that's one advantageous for pulling, but also how it kind of helps eliminate some other problems that a lot of people have casting. Sure. The – the three-point grip goes back to George Marriott in England. He, he was labeled the prince of fly fishers back in the 1860s through the 70s and 80s. He was probably the best caster England ever produced. And that's the, the grip he used as well. And it's basically a V-grip. Like if you look at your top hand on a golf club, your thumb's laid off to the side of the cork. Your index finger's extended straight. Another three fingers are curled around the cork. And basically you have this open V. So there's no tendency to push because there's not anywhere to push from. And so basically it it gets into the dilemma of once we don't have a thumb to push on the back, all we can do is pull the pinky and the ring finger. And when we start talking about that, we're pulling the opposite direction, which becomes, it gets kind of 
this is kind of deep talk, I guess, here, but it becomes a, a first-class lever. The rod you're holding, you're throwing forward now with a first-class, the way you rotate it, versus a third-class, which means put the thumb on top and push the same direction as the cast is going. And there's a big difference in those two. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, one of the things that that does is that, that three-point grip also – uh, changes your, the range of motion in your wrist and eliminates some problems a lot of people have, right, with either dipping the tip um, or some other issues that a lot of, you'll see a lot of casters have a lot of times on the casting pond. That's right. I, I think of what I like as well about it a great deal is the index finger is basically the rods and extension of the index finger. And um, one thing that we use a lot at the schools is we talk about, you know, at five months old, an infant points when they want a bottle or they want something, they'll point at it. We've been pointing at things ever since we were small. So just the accuracy alone jumps huge when, when people can just point their finger where they're trying to place the fly. As far as the element of control for more advanced casts with curves and pile casts, the finger being along the side of the rod kind of helps pilot, pilot the rod tip path to the de- basically the destiny of what you're trying to accomplish. And when you when you don't have that finger there, of course, it's just like it's like holding a club. I mean, it's not a lot of sensitivity of knowing what the tip's doing. And I think that's one of, the, one of the biggest advantages of it. And it also changes, of course, the mechanics of being where you can't, you can't push something, you know, at the top. And that kind of goes back to the, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of rules of any kind, but there's a good comical rule that says the two rules of casting that are always evident from the very beginning for everybody, what the rod tip does, the line does. And then rule number two, don't forget number one. And so that, that finger along the side of the court is just given much greater control for more advanced casts. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. And I think that probably segues a little bit into, um, you know, what we talk about it, it, casting people talk about when they talk about rotation, which is really, you know, my understanding of it is that that's really when you kind of close that V that's between your, the, basically the bottom of your wrist and the tip of the rod. And, um, you know, what you, when you talk about pulling with like your ring finger and your pinky, right? Right. Yeah. That, that's one of them. And the other part is with that V that we're talking about, you actually incorporate, if you imagine shooting up, basketball free throws that motion when you release the ball is called flexion and so by rotating the thumb over to the side you just have to do experiments people can grab a ruler or a stick in the yard or whatever and throw a stick with flexion letting it go versus throwing with with um abduction or like if you're doing a back cast abduction abduction going back and forth but you'll find there's a lot more power once you incorporate flexion and extension in your cast and that's what that grip helps helps to promote and so if we're talking whole arm casting, you know, it's a huge advantage of having the, the whole arm because really casting, I mean, as far as casting instructors, we always look at new casters and break down pretty quick. People are either wrist casters, forearm casters, or whole arm casters. Usually that's kind of the progression when somebody's new. They sit there with the wrist down at their belly button and flop it back and forth. You know, that's a pretty much a beginner stroke in my opinion because they're not going to go very far with that. It's like... Some of them will stay with that, you know, for a decade. Then they wonder why they can't hit the distance in salt water or something else because they have to change. So it's kind of the progression, I think, of where people start, you know, and they, they get into it a little more. Maybe go somewhere where they're challenged with wind or something, and 
then they realized maybe they should use more of a whole arm approach. And so that kind of leads into the tooling discussion, I think, pretty good. I think you, you brought up a minute ago with the back cast, I think. Um, well, I'm not sure if it was just now or what we talked about a little bit earlier, Marvin, about the back cast, if you think about just closing the gap of, of the elbow lifts up and your, your rod stops high, your finger's pointing up at the sky, that's totally a pulling stroke for the back cast to begin with. That's all you can do is pull. Okay, so for the forward cast, well, where it gets interesting is if the elbow's up high and flat, the elbow leads the cast by dropping downward, then we're, we're engaging the, the most powerful part of the rod to begin with and loading from the butt first to go up. And then when you watch casters that are just flopping it back and forth, whack, whacking it with the thumb, as you say, what you'll see is a lot of hip deflection and tip and mid-flex casting with no butt involved. And if the butt of the rod's not involved, that's where we start getting into some problems. Like trying to combat wind. Yeah. I mean, because you're really, you know, you've got all, you've got the, I guess what I would call potential, potential energy, right? That you can put in the rod. And that's all about how deeply you bend it and uh, right. starting to bend it at the butt and going forward. And, you know, I guess one of the questions I have for you is so people, you know, are listening to this and hopefully they're like, wow, this is interesting. Maybe we want to try it. You know, do you have some suggestions for drills for folks that they can kind of try to, you know, if you've been pushing with your thumb for years, you know, how, if you want to make this change, how to do it and kind of create that new muscle memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the best drills is, is audible um, to break the rod into no line on it. Just have, you know, half the rod, like it's a four piece rod, just use the first two sections, two piece rod, just use the lower section, take the line off of it and just assume you're like where your rod would be in a back cast, normal back cast with the elbow high. And just sit and practice by lowering the elbow and listen to the sound that you can generate by pulling the difference of pulling from the bottom or pushing with the thumb, as you say. And you'll hear, an, an, I mean, it's about a four times higher frequency you'll hear once you're doing it by pulling with those fingers at the bottom. And I think that goes back to once you understand that, that the frequency is higher, then you realize the acceleration must have been much greater. And then it's easy when you put a line back on it to get the, get the proper acceleration you're wanting to do for distance. But that's probably the most common question. That drill helps cut through a lot of that. Probably the most common question that shows over the years. Is, this is a typical thing you'll hear a lot, Marvin, is people will say, I'm a great 30-foot caster or a 40-foot caster, and I can't seem to go to 50. It's like this magic barrier at 40 to 50. Well, what's the problem? Well, if they're pushing with the thumb and they're only getting – an assumed acceleration that's always similar without being able to deviate it to a higher acceleration. That's why they're still a 40-foot caster, if that makes sense. I mean, if to go 80 or 100 feet or whatever it might be that your that your goal is, the only way to get there is to learn how to accelerate it faster. And it doesn't mean you have to be built like Schwarzenegger. I mean, my kids were able to generate a lot of that kind of speed when they were five and six. So, I mean, it's just more about being coached than it is about physique. Yeah. And I think too, like at least my experience when I started experimenting with it was you actually had to kind of relearn how to apply power because you kind of unlocked so much additional power that you didn't realize was originally there that you could really, right. ba you could back off a lot. 
Oh, you really, really can. And, and I think a, a lot of the, this, this sounds kind of <laughs> off the wall here, but, but if they really want to get into like, what's the difference of pulling and, and, and pushing a rod, there's a lot of good books out of Japan about the art of swordsmanship, like the samurais and, they go into all that in great detail about the sword being a first class instead of a third class lever. And they talk about the speeds generated that the samurais could do thousands of years ago. And I mean, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, you take that sport and lay it over to this sport. And I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same lever, except one's a sword and one's carbon or fiberglass. But the concept is, is the same. So that's what kind of got me really interested in it. I remember about 12 or 13 years ago buying all these books with samurais going through those and that taught me a great deal yeah and what i'll do is i'll drop i know there's some good wikipedia articles on levers so when people are like what on earth are they talking about about first and third uh, order levers um i'll drop one of those in the show notes and you know folks we're gonna keep doing these probably every few weeks and you know we love questions and so if you have a question a great way to get them to us is drop them to us in the comments uh on the post in facebook or on instagram or you can email them to us we would love to answer your questions and um before we go tonight mac you want to let folks know um where they can reach out to you online if they have questions because you know you've got schools you teach uh and you're a teaching guide is what i really think of you as you know so they can find you if they want to kind of learn more and all that kind of good stuff Sure. My web address is, is uh, Mac Brown, M-A-C-B-R-O-W-N, flyfish.com. And we're getting ready for show season. We're looking forward to that, though, as well. And um, so hopefully we'll be near a city. Hopefully where the listeners are. I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta will happen after um, Edison and then from Atlanta to Denver, from Denver to Pleasanton, California. So hopefully to meet meet some folks or send questions to Marvin or my email is off the website if you get any kind of casting questions and we'll bring them up on the podcast yeah absolutely and folks uh, you know we're I don't know gosh we're almost a week away from Christmas so I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year Merry Christmas Mac Brown Merry Christmas everybody <laughs>